0: Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Jennifer Bloomberg from Next Solutions in New York.
1: I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston.
0: And today we have regular recurring guest Ben Croker from Put Your Lights On and special first-time guest Heel Tetelar from Global Network Group. How are you guys doing today?
2: Very well, thank you. It's good <laughs> to be back Really good, Jennifer. Thank you.
0: Great. So if you're at the Hootsprayt Endangered Species Center outside the Kruger Park in South Africa, (laughs) watching the cheetah run in circles at 100 kilometers per hour, and your friend turns to you and says, bro, do you even test? What do you say?
3: It's a the hell of a time to start talking about testing, I suppose. Um, yeah,
0: they're going really fast.
3: <laughs> uh, testing <laughs> is basically what you do to make sure that whatever you built or uh, whenever you're updating something, that it keeps working according to the way you, you or a client wants it to work.
0: Okay, so just to give you my testing protocol when i finish a craft cms app and i push it to production i click around a few times the console is usually open sometimes i submit the forms a couple times <laughs> and then i look at it in a different browser maybe is that does that sound like a good testing protocol
3: for some sites it is i mean especially if it's if if they're not too too complicated if you're just doing some basic content management even if it's if, even if it's a lot of content uh, that should work fine but where you really want to start getting into automated testing is if you start creating more complicated sites, or really uh, you will get into plugin development or module development, or the site starts starts growing. So one thing to keep in mind is if you're just making a site and then it kind of just stays where it is, and you never really have to change it anymore, you don't really have to test it because you don't make that many updates to it. But if you have a client who has a wish list of features that you wanna that they want to start updating and, and implementing, then once you start building those changes, especially if you leave a project and for example come back to it after a month, you know, you might start start accidentally breaking things or things might start breaking in places that that, that you're not even making any changes. And then it really just helps to to, to just be sure that a test suite's run and that all, the, the, that the basic functionality of your site keeps working as it's supposed to.
2: Okay. I so guess in a sense we 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 all test and the distinction maybe to be made is do we use manual testing as you were describing Jennifer i guess we all do we all you know before we launch a site we click around hopefully and make sure things are working uh, anytime we make a no, no, change no, no. <laughs> live
1: i just click deploy <laughs> and then walk away that's it <laughs>
2: Well, maybe you do that if you have your automated t- testing set up and you you know that you're testing everything that needs to be tested, then you maybe can be in that privileged situation of being able to deploy and walk away. That's probably what we're trying to work towards uh, by putting automated tests in place.
0: It's, so it sounds like humans can test and computers can test. And I think he said at the beginning that if it's a simple website, then humans can just test. But can we go deeper into when a computer is better at testing than a human? When would you want to automate tests? And what kind of tests would you automate?
3: At the end of the day, like I said, when it gets more complex, and it costs you a lot of time to test your entire either plugin or, or website manually, for example, if your framework changes, if craft if releases 3.5 or 4.0, you know, if you have to go through, especially on a more complicated site, or if you maintain 10 sites, if you have to test each individual functionality across all of those sites, whenever they want an update to, for example, 3.5, you know, that's just going to cost you a lot of time. And, you know, computers are really good at doing you know a lot of a lot of simple things or even just if you give them instructions doing a lot of things quite quickly and so manual testing gives you the benefit of being able to see your site and being able to quickly spot bugs or just things that look a bit out of place and odd whereas you know automated tests is just make sure that when you have a set list of functional requirements that those keep working regardless of what you do
1: yeah, and also computers are they're not going to complain about how boring it is right to do like a no. really grunt work kind of testing that you might want to be doing so that's another advantage is that that computers are really good at doing rote stuff and especially stuff yeah. that people suck at or people get bored doing
3: yeah and so a benefit is really you know time time is money especially if you're if you're a freelancer you with 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 testing you just have to create it once and and they'll keep working pretty much regardless of, of what changes and so it's really investing up front and then getting a payout later down the road
1: Well i got a question like what you're saying computers can test but like test what and are there different kinds of tests and you know what i mean like i know what it means for a person like generally to test because you'll say well i expect this to happen and that to happen but w- what are different kinds of tests that can happen
3: the um, the main divide at least how i perceive it is whether you do unit testing which is really more oriented towards testing individual bits of your code and uh, user based testing well, uh, unit
1: testing like testing whether an inch equals an inch and like what what do you mean
3: so let's, <laughs> let, let, let's say you have in a, you know you you maintain the seomatic plugin and you have a method that generates a bit of json ld structure or something for something for Google, right, a meta tag, you might just call that individual method, supply it with some parameters and test that it's returning just that tag, you know, that's quite useful, especially if API if plugin developers or module developers are relying on that method to keep working, regardless of if you're making changes. But that's not the way that SEOmatic would really get used. So what you do then if you want to test it, how a user would test it is do something like a functional test, which actually, for example, renders your twig template and then sees that all the tags are in place. And so it's really the difference between testing the individual APIs of your, your PHP class or of your plugin versus, you know, just rendering a Twig template and, and being able to play with it as if as it were instructions you were giving to uh, to a fellow developer to test your site.
1: All right. Well, since you're calling me out on the testing in my plugin, so first <laughs> first thing I did is when people were talking about testing, I, I whined and complained and said, I'm not going to do it until craft builds in some kind of testing framework to make this a reasonable thing to do, because while you could do it on your own... it's 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 not really that practical to test a plugin unless you're testing the whole environment that it lives in. Yeah. Right. So that was my first excuse. And then you came along and you created a testing framework for craft.
3: Yeah, I, I kind of woke up one day and thought I need to call out Andrew and get him to start testing. So, <laughs> yeah. so, then, um,
1: so then you did that and we'll, you can talk more or <laughs> Jen, Jennifer will probably have you elaborate more on that. But you implemented the testing framework in craft and now I don't really have an excuse, but I still have not implemented testing in my plugins. And I actually have had a couple of instances come up lately where people have commented on a regression or an issue in, in GitHub issues. And they said, wouldn't this be a good place for a test? And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What, what were
0: those what uh, were a specific things? Like, what what do you think, uh he or or uh, Ben? What do you think Andrew should write his first test to do on SEO matter?
2: Well, it's a very different situation when you're starting, uh, you know, with a with a blank sheet, or you're starting with a plugin that's been around for how many years and how many major versions has it gone through? I think you're on major version three, and it's probably been three years. Too
1: too many. We've been married a long yeah. time. The seven year itch is going on. Like, yeah. It's, it's been a while. So,
2: so one of the tricky parts is knowing what to test and to try and now go and uh, get 100% code coverage with tests in an, in a plugin as complex as SEOmatic would be a huge challenge and probably not, probably not worth the effort, to be honest. But I think that's one of the big questions when it comes to testing. What do we choose to test? For me, it's always like what's more important is the quality of the tests rather than trying to get that 100% code coverage to say that, you know, every piece of my code is tested because unit tests can can test the smallest of units you can you you can add two numbers and and test that the result equals what you expect but where's the benefit there in saying that though I was, I was chatting with a few people the other day and i kind of mentioned that as well and then one of them brought up a situation in which he had he had a plugin that did some sort of e-commerce it was adding it was calculating totals or the total of s- several subtotals and for some re- reason it was off by a few cents every time and once he caught it he realized that they were floating point numbers and oh, that God. the preci- precision was <laughs> causing it so it was a few cents you might think oh well no big deal but when it comes to e-commerce and tax you know yeah it definitely. is a big deal so so even little things like that like you know calculating totals there probably is a an argument to be made that that does need testing the way i look at it is i first try to make sure that i have tests in place for any mission critical features. So anything, you know, with calculating totals, especially if we're talking about taking payments and e-commerce. I have uh, plugins that will send email mass mails to mailing lists, right? So I want to test that only people who are subscribed to those mailing lists end up getting an email and that they don't get duplicate emails. And for example, that when they choose to subscribe or unsubscribe, that actually works rather than having an undesirable effect. So my approach is look for the mission critical critical features and start writing tests for those. And the other use case might be, well, when a bug does come in, come in and is reported, especially from somebody who's a user of the plugin, write a test to ensure that that bug is not only fixed, but that it doesn't spawn other bugs because often bugs are sneaky little things. And what tends to happen is that sometimes you fix a bug in one place and it spawns another bug in another place and you don't catch it until the next person has an issue.
1: You just nailed what I think my approach is going to be, Ben, in terms of adding the the testing in. Because I'll I'll tell you a little story. So this is the real world thing that happened. And it was Mm -hmm. with my plugin Retour that someone came to me and they said, hey, everything's working great except we have this weird penetration testing software that it's putting line breaks into the redirect URLs. Like, I don't know when, why, or how it's happening, but it's something that it is doing. So it's inserting these things into it. And he said, okay, can you make it so that this gets stripped out? And I said, sure. You know, I'll make it sure that this gets stripped out. Right then and there, is when I should have written a unit test for that particular function that would take, you know, some inputs including some URLs that were malformed with line feeds in them or whatever and tested that. I didn't do that, I fixed that, and then someone came to me later on and said, "Hey, I really want to redirect to this URL that has some letters with German umlauts in them." And mm-hmm. so I put in something that would And that wasn't working. And the reason it wasn't working is because what I did for the line feeds is I used PHP's built-in var filter and I passed it a constant for some kind of a URL filter, right? which correctly filters out German umlauts because those should be (laughs) URL encoded before they go into the URL. Right. So because Mm -hmm. it was using that, it it broke this other guy. So I'm like, okay, I'll go in and fix that for you. Fixed it for him. Now the guy who had the issue with the line feeds comes back and says, Hey, it's breaking again. So perfect case where when I, if I had implemented that bug fix, when I did, if I had added a unit test that verified that bug fix, it would have caught this issue. And it could be a way for me to kind of slowly add these tests in, in a meaningful way. So that I think that's going to be my approach to adding testing into this stuff is whenever I fix a bug and it's a reasonable case for a unit test. Like that's how I'm going to start adding them in. Like, what, what do you think Gil is that a reasonable way to approach it? No,
3: I mean, it is, it, it makes a lot of sense and that's how, how we do it as well. I mean, you know, we didn't, once we finished writing the testing framework, go, okay, we're now going to spend five months writing tests for everything, you know, because we get to work on some some bigger plugins in-house. So it would just take take a lot of time. So our approach has really been two-pronged. We, we, we see when bugs come in and then just patch them and uh, write a test for them. But also, you know, when we plan features and we have to start making changes to either methods or or just, you know, adding completely new concepts to, to whatever plugin we're working on, you know, we immediately write a test for that. Or when we have to start changing things, write a test for it first and then change it. Because the beauty of that is then you immediately know, okay, if you change something or you added a feature, if the test fails, you know, you kind of have an idea, okay, I need to watch out for that. And, 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 and it, you know, it prevents you you being caught out. You know, that, that was really useful for us.
2: Yeah, I find that when we add new features to an existing code base, that's a really important time to add tests when possible because because our, it's so easy to lose track of the scale of our systems and how they integrate with each other. And especially a craft plugin, right? Because a craft plugin is intimately tied to craft. Craft, but can also work with methods that Yi makes available and even other plugins. So changing code in one part of the system can often have a knock-on effect in other parts of the system. We
3: had a, a, an interesting thing where we upgraded from Craft 3.3 to 3.4 and the test immediately caught out this, this SQL bug where we were searching through an element, but also, you know, this is we were searching through the element, but also doing joining a bunch of tables. And that was a bug in 3.3 that they fixed for 3.4, but I, I completely forgot about that. so. When we, got, when we when we did composer update, that part of the, the app just broke. And it might not it might have been something that I would have missed because it was kind of
2: hidden behind, you know, two layers of, of other yeah. features. That's and a really good not even a feature that you added to your plugin as a feature or or something that Craft added in, in, yeah, in one of their versions.
3: And it was something we, we patched over and because of because of the change, and I don't specifically know remember what use case why it why it broke, but because of what Craft changed, um the, the patch broke. And so in that sense, you know, it it, it it's really nice that a test just tells you, okay, uh, fix that without having a client call you up on a Friday afternoon saying, you know, I can't search through my criteria, what's going on? Because, you know, if you want to get to the the essence of what you're trying to prevent with testing, I think, in my opinion, that's it, you know, preventing clients or users from having to report bugs to you because it's it's annoying for them. I personally always find it frustrating because you have to drop whatever you're doing and fix it, Hmm. you know, and having a computer tell you that is much easier. Beforehand,
1: the fact that the testing framework now exists makes me really wish that I had done test driven development from the start. But, I, you know, I kind of would have been difficult to do because the testing framework wasn't there at the time. And honestly, the the task of having to go back and retrofit it has just made me, it, it just seems like Ben yeah. was saying earlier, just way too much work. So I think the approach that I'm going to take is get the test bed up and running and then just as things come in, start adding them. And Jennifer, have you done stuff with test driven development? I know it's a big thing in the Laravel world and in uh, some Node.js stuff. Have you done anything with Um,
0: that? Yeah, well, we've used PHP unit tests here and there depending on the size of the project. Well, we often have the excuse that it Testing adds too much to our coding burden. So if we were to test everything, we would you know, double the amount of code. And we sometimes do this thing where we just let the clients test for us, but less and less these days as we write more important <laughs> and more you know, crucial software. But we haven't yet used the the testing framework for Craft, which I, that's why I'm really excited to talk to you guys about it because apparently you know quite a lot about it. It's got this cool name. <laughs> Is it Code Codeception? Yeah. Well, maybe tell us about Codeception because for me and for maybe the the listeners who use craft a lot but have never written a test why codeception is cool and how how to use it
3: so codeception is a uh, a testing framework for for php and there there are a couple of a uh, couple of them out there if you come from a javascript background it's like cypress and but then for php and the really cool thing about codeception is it combines three different types of tests and obviously now if, if you use craft cms it comes with built-in support for craft through the through the framework so what codeception essentially does is it takes php unit which which is basically the the go-to standard for unit testing in PHP which is a type of, t- of testing and it bundles that along with its own functional testing implementation and, and acceptance testing which is more testing from the, the the user perspective using you know for example selenium which is is a virtual web is a kind of virtual web browser that essentially can replicate chrome and so it basically means that with one framework you can do all the kinds of tests required for your project and it also means you can scale so you can start off quite small and then if you start adding really complicated plugins uh, or if you have to install commerce and, and do a bunch of stuff with, with tax rates, then you can also know you have the benefit of having PHP unit in there. It's all through one common API and syntax. So
0: Codeception uh, is not craft specific or it is?
3: No, it, it isn't. So okay. what, what we ended up doing was we built a module. So Codeception has a, has a module architecture and we built a module on top of the existing G2 module. So basically we the craft framework plugs into Codeception and then adds methods like syncing with, with project config, which is obviously craft specific. But Codeception is just a standalone framework. So you can use it for, for Laravel or for Zend or for your YouTube project if, if you want to, even for WordPress, if, if you want to go crazy.
0: No, we don't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> WordPress would just fail the tests every time for
2: me,
3: so. It's just an error message, just pick another CMS. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Patrick, just want to make sure you're awake.
2: I am, yeah. Gail, I saw your talk at .all and I came out of there thinking, this looks amazing. I want to go home and, and start it. There's, you know, like a magic command
1: you can run. Like everyone's craft site already has a superpower that can generate tests. And of course I didn't do that. I came home and quickly forgot about it. I just ran it now though. And now, and now I have like a folder. So I have a folder of tests. So how does someone get started? Like whether it's, they want to test their own module code or they want to test other things. How does it, for things that are like, depending on what's in the
3: database, can it work with that? Like what are some practical things that people could do? Yeah, so I mean the really basic way I would recommend getting started is just running that that command. So it's something like test slash generate or, or whatever it is now and it'll basically set up an entire test suite for you in your website or for your for your plugin. And then the, it, it also sets up test classes so what I'd recommend is just to get familiar with it run those tests because they're really basic and they just you know assert that craft is installed and, and that's essentially it. And once you know you're you're up and running and you've scrolled through the the section docs a little bit just to get a feel. I would just write one functional test where you just do some basic assertions on a Twig template because essentially for most craft sites, you'll either have the GraphQL API or you you have some kind of Twig template that does something. And the easiest way to get started is doing it from, from a user perspective because in my opinion, it feels the most familiar. So it also seems the easiest to read. I mean, unit testing is, is quite technical and it's, it's not the easiest place to, to get started. And the difficult thing is if you haven't done a bit of research into it, the unit test you write initially when you look back on them after six months you end up finding finding you just want to delete them and start over i mean Mm -hmm. that's i mean that's what what i had when i initially got started and that in my opinion, slowed me down a bit. Whereas most of the functional tests, because they essentially just read as instructions, you know, they're pretty straightforward.
1: Let me ask you a question about that, Gil. So let's say that I use something like Scrutinizer CI or some kind of an automated CI tool. Is there a way that these tests can just be run automatically when I push changes to my plugin or website or module in my website or or whatever? And how does that look? like? How does it spin up inside of Scrutinizer or other CI tools and have a seeded database so it can actually bootstrap craft outside of an environment?
3: So I don't know about scrutinizer CI, but I've worked with, with Travis, mm-hmm. uh, which is just an, another CI. Mm-hmm. And the craft docs documentation actually has a page on how to get started on that. But essentially what you just do is you can give something like Travis instructions to just set up and install craft just through the, through console commands, like you would just setting up a, a regular site. And then you can just run, run Codeception on it. And the, the beauty about how I've seen Travis be implemented is it runs all of your tests after each commit or pull request to a master branch, which means, especially for plugins, you immediately know uh, if there's a pull request open, then it immediately checks, does this break anything in unexpected places? And you get an email if it does break something, so you can immediately go fix it. And then the other good alternative is uh, in your deployment, pipeline in, in your deployment tools you can often set it set it up some way that it runs your tests before it actually pushes any code to the server hmm. that way if the, if the tests do break nothing actually gets shipped to production and you get a message and that's in my opinion that's probably utopia because that just means that you can just keep Um, you know, keep keep on coding. And if something does break, you can just go back and fix it without any harm being done.
1: Yeah, so if you're using something like buddy.works where it's spinning stuff up in a Docker container or whatever, you can have it run the tests. And I guess as part of that, you would have to have it probably pull the live database down just so it's got something to run in and probably you want that updated.
3: It depends. I mean, it's not the way... I would do it or the way that we do it here so there's I mean you can set up data with with fixtures which is a whole mm-hmm. uh, separate thing to, to talk about that E2 provides and it basically allows you to from a from a PHP array it will in it will uh, populate the rows in your database and and the other thing and that's what we do just cuz it's the easiest is we just run an, an SQL script beforehand that just sets up our entire data structure just because we have a, a lot of tables and if we have to manage all of that through fixtures including all of the relations i haven't found a way to make it not entire not become completely unwieldy yeah that's what uh, i'm wondering because
1: what if i have tests that are very specific to the data that has been entered in the cms how do i do that so, and, and ben was shaking his head at me like you dummy you're doing <laughs> it wrong ben, <laughs> t- tell, me, tell me how to do this
2: no 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 you make a very good point and to go back to your earlier point of you were waiting for the testing framework to come along for craft before adding tests to, to your plugins. I completely agree. And this is something I think is important to, to highlight that this is part of what the testing framework adds, which is the ability to create these fixtures or these are fixtures that you can think of as creating dummy data that you can then run your tests on. And the reason we need a database to run the tests on obviously is because we want to run tests on things that we know like entries, categories, sections, mm-hmm. users. So we need the database but not only that we need to to mock those objects and and uh, populate the database so that we can run those tests using craft. And I'm not sure if fixtures is a codeception or e2 feature, but either way craft has its own fixture so that it makes it very easy to populate the database with sample set of entries or any element type already. Uh, but what if, if I you wanna test
1: the actual database? Like what if there is stuff on the website that I need to test that? I don't wanna test like some contrived data. I'm doing an acceptance test or something based on the data that the client or someone else has entered in the website. What do I do then?
2: Oh, I see. So you want to test against live data from, from a, a live website.
1: Well, so a, a simple example. Right. So let's say there was a a content builder and it would be impractical for me to handle every permutation of what could possibly be in there. Or maybe there are different code paths based on, you know, certain things. And I want to be able to test it against what the client has actually put in there to make sure that this page outputs what I think it should based on, you know, what they put in their matrix builder so that a contrived test wouldn't necessarily catch that. Is that a thing? Or
2: I I guess the argument is that when you write your tests, you... You can populate it with random data Mm -hmm. or you could populate it with sample data or you could populate it with anything, but you can run that test a thousand times, it's kind of like, you know, monkeys what is it 100 monkeys typing on it yeah. yeah so you can you can sample more use cases than you could from you know pulling down data from your client site okay so that makes sense i don't know just cover Giel. all the
1: permutations but i'm a little worried you're seeking yeah. PETA is going to come after us now for these monkeys but Giel, what are we going to say Giel?
3: look the, the difficult thing with with using a live site unless it's for example a staging site is the content might change so you might for example. Uh, you might run an assert and you might run an assertion that a, a, a title of an entry page gets populated but if a user then goes in and changes that title because it's a live site or it might change the content then that assertion will fail whilst the site is still working fine because the user just went in and, and changed the content hmm. and so that's kind of why with testing it's important that you have some kind of seed data that is consistent and, and kind of independent of what test you run and so it's it's difficult to use that type of but what you can do is for example with accept- with acceptance testing is just run a separate uh, web server that doesn't necessarily that isn't the actual site but you could just feed it with with example data
2: so for example staging if, if you're sure the content isn't going to change you could run your tests against that i so. think the distinction is that we're trying to run we're trying to create automate to test tests to test the features of our websites rather than the the content mm. contained yeah. in those mm-hmm.
1: I guess where I'm coming at this from is that, and any programmer will realize this, that when you're writing code, you're thinking to yourself about what the inputs are gonna be and you're kind of doing things carefully to guard against you know, certain things. But a lot of the bugs that I run into are the inputs coming in as something I just never expected that it would be. So how, and you know, or users using the, the tool in ways I just never thought that they would. So how do you simulate that? Or do you just add it as a test as it happens?
3: Uh, look, you can't, in my opinion, you can't plan for, for every scenario scenario. I mean you can you can get really creative and perhaps invite other people who haven't who haven't written the code to try and to try and use your application and see what they do with it and then test against that. Mm. But you know even if you have hundred percent coverage and you have all kinds of tests set up, whether it be user centric and, and unit tests you know your app could still fail because someone might enter a character that you're not expecting or or they might enter a Chinese character and something breaks there. Nah, you no
1: know, nah, nah, my my code's got hundred <laughs> percent coverage it's bulletproof. Nothing's <laughs> ever gonna go wrong. What are you talking about? <laughs>
0: You mentioned Hiel in your talk that you should not test the UI, you should rather test the controllers. What did you mean by that?
3: So basically, for example, with acceptance testing, you can test that particular markup is returned or that, you're, that something is being styled in a particular way or that you're doing things with that particular classes are being added. And that's that's all great. But fundamentally, what you should rather test is that the Twig templates are actually returning the right data that, for example, when you push a search button, that it's actually returning the correct results. And that's mm-hmm the context of my talk was more looking at it from a codeception perspective and with so many people more with so many people moving to Vue.js js now or reactor or whatever app framework that you're working towards that that has its own testing ecosystem mm-hmm. so if you if you want to look at them more from a ui perspective you might want to get into those tests, because it's it's much more focused, and it means they make a lot more sense rather than using Codeception to test a view application, which isn't really possible. Yeah, I've, um, my first introductions
1: to testing have been as a result of pull requests, where I did some pull requests for people, and they're like, that's wonderful that you got this feature, now can you write a test for it? because we're not going to accept it unless there's a test. I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds pretty reasonable. So, I mean, that was kind of my introduction to testing. But I guess I've got a question that I kind of wish Matt was on here, but Matt... Couldn't make it. But Gil, maybe you'll know. So how much is Pixel and Tonic using this testing framework? Like what kind of coverage do they have of the CMS?
3: I mean, that's difficult because I mean, Pixel and Tonic in that sense, at least from my perspective, they're in a unique position where they each have their own specialized domain in the CMS. I mean, except for Brandon, who essentially appears to know everything. You know, they seem to be able to do a lot of things without breaking the CMS too, too badly. I mean, they seem to have it relatively under control. I know they're adding tests and I know they have a a bunch of plans, but I think they're Priority right now is Craft Cloud, and I think they've kind of put that ahead. And so, how I see them doing it now is m- mostly maintaining what tests there are. And if they make changes to methods or to parts of the code best that are tested, to make sure that they expand or update those tests rather than actively adding many uh, tests of their own. Does
0: the framework that you wrote on top of Craft use codeception yeah. tests? Ooh, that's like really meta. Yeah, Does so Codeception use codeception? <laughs>
3: So I know that the, the, the tests that are actually written for craft, which you can actually see there, they're pretty good. Some of them are pretty good examples of how you can test, test your application, for example, that just uses its own testing frame. Uh, and it uses a whole bunch of the features from its own testing framework as well. So what
1: percentage coverage well, do you think we have? If you had to guess from craft CMS itself?
3: I mean, when I, the, I mean, I haven't worked on it since some the summer of last year, when we, when I left kind of, when I rounded off the testing framework, we were at about 22%,
1: I think. Okay. Yeah, so that's, you're very diplomatic for a 17 year old, by the way. That's very good. <laughs> no, I was just wondering because, you know, I, I realized that their focus is on craft cloud, but you know, again, craft cloud is gonna be based on the same code base. And if we're talking about all these benefits of testing, you know, I'd, I would expect that they would reap them no matter where they were.
3: Look, I mean, I think what it's it's a good example of how difficult it is to, to get started. Cause I mean, mm. I, I talk with them a lot and and it, it's quite clear that they see the benefit of testing and they really wanna get started. And they've been quite active in, in getting the framework up and running. You know, and and helping me out with some of the questions that that I had. So they've put a lot of time into this. The flip side is, you know, they have uh, many users with other, you know, with other requests. They have th- th- they have I think a thousand issues open now with people wanting various things to be added. Mm. And I mean, you can't cater to everyone. And then it's just, you know, the temptation to build a feature rather than to test one. I mean, that's 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 pretty great. I mean, I've noticed that as well. Because I mean, we've we have a relatively decent amount of, of codeception coverage now. But everything with us is view applications. Everything is few. Mm. And I have. No no JavaScript tests
2: because hmm,
3: I, I haven't even learned any, any anything about. It. I haven't had the time to dive in. You yeah. know, so that's even if even if I have relatively good testing on the PHP side, the user side, which is you know in my opinion pretty important as well, nothing. And that's that kind of just does highlight even if you get started on it, it's really difficult, especially retrofitting something as big as Craft.
1: Right, and and believe me, like I'm not trying to call them out here. I'm more just curious because I'm wondering, you know, how much of the framework have they adopted? Because here, you know I haven't even adopted any of. I know Ben has adopted uh, testing in some of his plugins. Ben also did a really nice course on plugin testing on craftquest.io that I figured we should mention. Yes, Ben?
2: That, that wasn't me, though. That was uh, Ryan Ireland. He did the <laughs> introduction to testing craft CMS.
1: I know that Ryan Ireland, for instance, did a really good testing framework set of
2: tutorials on
1: craftquest.io, for instance.
0: No, so, but Ben was on there. I just looked at it. Was that not... What? Am I confusing? Am I confused?
2: Oh, you're confusing me now. Um, not the testing part, though. I did, I've done videos, for sure. Yeah, but only full thing. Yeah, yeah. Drug and develop development, and not testing. <laughs>
1: Jennifer's Jennifer's totally confused. I kind anyway. have
0: warned that it was you, but okay. Anyway,
1: my my point is that you know I'm not I'm not trying to call out Pixel and Tonic. I'm more just curious, like what it looks like for them to get coverage, right? Because it's obviously I mean, very important, but it's something that you know even they are just like, well, you know, there's only so much we can do. Let's do the most important things.
3: I mean, I just checked. If you go to Codecov.io, mm-hmm. Craft CMS has a subscription that so you can essentially see for yourself how much coverage they have mm-hmm. so they're at they're at 24% now right. and knowing from what I worked on with them a while ago there's just a, there's just a couple of features that are really tested quite well mm. so the graphql stuff Andrew did a great job on on getting that getting all of that tested so that's at 90% now wow. of, of the coverage and oh, the whole Andrews. search yeah this i mean the search all this all all
2: of craft search functionalities that has i mean that has 100% testing mm. Most of if you now. if you think of how big the craft code base is twenty five twenty four percent is is pretty huge. reasonable it's yeah.
1: huge it's monstrous and if it's the mm-hmm. most important twenty four percent you know it I'm sure that it's it's for some projects twenty four percent coverage might be all that you need depending on what it is that it does you know.
2: Yeah. And maybe if, if if the GraphQL stuff has got testing as well, pretty complete testing, then that maybe is a sign that anything new that they build, they're going to also do it with right. either test-driven development or just writing tests for the features. Which
1: is exactly what you were saying, which is that when you're approaching a new project, it's easier to build it in than it is to go back to an old project and try to retrofit it. It's kind of like, you know, if you've got this old house that you've lived in for forever and you want to go back in and try and run Ethernet through all the walls, well, I mean, you could be in just a world of <laughs> trying to do that but if you're building a brand new house man it's really easy to spec it out and get everything get an ethernet jack in every room in the house
3: look i mean my my take on it is i, th- I think they've done a, a really good job getting it getting it started i'm curious to see how what they're going to do with testing with craft cloud you know what approach they're going to take there i mean my guess would be looking at how andres did it that all the new features and that they're going to implement testing for it so I'd be curious if they release any plugins you know how they how they end up doing that okay but, speaking of yeah. which
1: this is this ties right into something else that i'm it's me, a culpa. me Again, so the other thing I complained about was I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be really nice, Giel, if there was a testing framework for plugins. How about you do a pull request and add that to pluginfactory.io? And you did, right? (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, again I felt like I needed to give Andrew a kick up the butt, so I thought how can yeah. I do that? Yeah. <laughs> Careful what you wish for.
1: And and so Giel did it, and I still have not merged the PR. <laughs> He's your canary, man. You found your canary. It's it's on my list. I actually just did a decent update to Plug-in Factory, and I wanted to just get like all the stable PRs like done and all the all the bugs fixed and all that kind of stuff, and I added a a sponsorship page on GitHub in case anyone wants to buy me a coffee or a beer for maintaining that thing. Um, but I think the next thing that I'm gonna do on it is I'm going to look at integrating the testing framework because I think you you both or everyone is right that it's a lot easier to do from the start and it really should be baked into the framework that Plugin Factory generates for people. So the tests are right there, they're in their face and they can jump
3: in and get started with it.
0: So will that just be the sca- the overall scaffolding or would you be able to say, oh, I wanna test a specific thing and generate it?
3: No, so no. what it does now is it essentially does what the, the craft command does, only it sets it up specifically for, for your plugin or your module. So it, it oh, namespaces namespaces everything correctly and it sets up some dummy tests as examples. Yeah. That's, that's it. But you could go a lot farther in setting up tests for each individual, you know, service class and functional test for all the controllers that you generate for it.
1: Something I always do is I ask people like, when is it going to be done or when is that feature going to be out? So I'm going to curse myself and I'm going to say that by the time this episode is out, that PR is going to be merged in and Plugin Factory is going to be generated Tests. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Okay, sorry, Ben. Go ahead. What were we going oh. to say? Yeah, it's already
2: live, <laughs> so you can try today, listeners. Exactly. No, I think that's yeah. going to be extremely helpful because the great thing about Plugin Factory is that it gives you this base to look at and to experiment with and start using. You can install a plugin right and start seeing how it works, and yeah. it's going to be the same with sample tests. And I think that's the big hurdle. Mm. That many people need to get over, okay, just seeing, okay, what's a basic test? How does it work? And how can I, I extend that to do, you know, what I need to test for. But once I mean, you're past that, yeah. it's just, you know, a matter of figuring out what you want to test. But that's the big hurdle to get over. Look, I mean, plugin
3: factory is where at least I started, and I'm assuming it's, it's it's the case for more people, it's where a lot of plug-in developers or module developers start out because it's it's pretty much the go-to resource. Everyone recommends it. So if it starts off with tests, then it's right. much more likely to just ignite a spark with, with a new with a new uh of developers to go okay i'm gonna do some basic tests for whatever i'm releasing
1: i 100 percent agree and that's why i'm taking the pledge that i'm gonna have it merged in there by the time this episode goes out and comes live but gil i've got I've got questions for you. Are you some kind of like Superman or something? Like you, you <laughs> built this whole testing framework for craft and then you built the, the testing scaffolding for a plugin factory. Like how do you do it, man?
3: The funny story is it's, it started with a, um, the whole testing framework actually started with about a five minute conversation between Brad and I on the, the rooftop at dot 2018 in Berlin.
1: Were, were drinks involved? Uh, eh, I
3: was not of age, so I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> um, um but we were talking about a talk that went and that kind of mentioned testing. And I was talking to Brad and he kind of, he, you know, he's the one who's, who's really active into within Pixel and Tonic and saying, look, let's get testing done and let's start doing, you know, some kind of test driven development and, you know, motivating everyone else on the team. And so I said, look, if I can just help out do some basic, do a basic pull request just with some starting tests and, and a basic module that just does the, the, absolute ne- the absolute necessity for you guys to get started with it, I'm happy to do it. And then over the winter break and during Christmas, I had some time left and that plugin, that pull request, just ended up growing and growing and growing until it was absolutely ridiculous. I think it was about fifteen thousand lines that it added, oh, God. Um, and the whole initial framework. And about I think five or seven percent of the entire craft base code base was tested then.
1: What did Brad put um, in your drink? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, I mean, look, I think I just ended up getting getting lucky because a lot of the work was completed last year, this summer last year, I, I was just lucky that we were ahead of the of our release schedule. And we just kind of ended up making the decision, you know, what do we want to build now? You know, are we going to build a bunch of new features? Or are we, are we going to end up, you know, testing some of the things that we've already built before we go ahead? You know, we have this pull request that was already open at the time. And so we just end up saying because we're a team of three, I just ended up saying the other two guys, you guys focus on new features. And I'll just commit myself for about three months to just building this plugin and making sure that there's a testing framework in place that we can use that was kind of the story and yeah they put in pixel and tonic put in an insane amount of time to help me get started mm. and i think yeah that that the end result is is pretty awesome well, and I'm to see it's
1: like people that are not of age usually they're doing stuff like putting a blink tag on an html page like wh- had you done much testing prior to this
3: i mean putting blink tags on html pages is essentially my full-time job so <laughs> <laughs> um no i mean the funny thing is the 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 first tests i wrote were in that pull request. So that's how i got that's how i got into it wow which also that's that, that's great because for me i can look back and see some of the tests that are that are actually still in there and go oh i would have done that a different way i hope no one ever looks at that again but it's, it's nice to be able to see okay where i where i started off and see what things i learned across the way and i think Yeah, I think that's interesting if if other people dive into there as well, you know, especially if you have some experience with testing. um, What what
0: if you don't like I think a lot of people on the craft discord, it seems to me that they don't have a lot of PHP experience at all. I mean, I think craft is unique in a way you can write a huge website without writing any PHP. So if I mean, how much, how experienced do you need to be to start writing tests? Like, are you Were you quite experienced with web development, with PHP development before? Do you yeah, think so, that you need to you be?
3: Know, no, I mean, I don't think you, you necessarily need to be. I mean, you, you, know, you need to take a PHP basics course. I mean, that's the, because you need to understand the syntax and how classes work and how, how all of that works. So you need some kind of, of basic background. And if you just get Twig, you know, it's, it's quite easy to learn, but you, you do need to, to have some kind of understanding of that. I mean, I mostly just do back end and view development. So in that sense, even uh, you know, two years ago, I had the experience to be able to dive into the inner workings of Codeception and see, okay, how does the module architecture work? But if you're just starting out and you run that console command, if you run the console commander um, and just start up some basic functional tests, it's quite easy because the beauty of those types of tests is they essentially read as an instruction script that you would give to to a fellow developer or or just to your to your client to test the application, or that your, your client would give to you. So it, it it's. Very, it's structured very much in a way that it reads like it's like it's human instructions, which makes it quite easy to get started. I mean, I suppose everyone everyone learns in their different way, and I can't really say how easy it is if you have no PHP experience. But it's the syntax isn't that complicated.
1: Well, how about this? Is it safe to say that anyone who is writing any kind of plugin or module, however small, if they're capable of doing that, I think they're very capable of yeah, adding the tests, definitely. right? So if yeah. you're if you're already even if it's a small custom module, just add a little bit of functionality, or it's a a little bespoke plugin that you need for whatever. If you're doing that, you can already do the testing. So getting this integrated into plugin factory is, I I think it's a no brainer because anyone who's doing that already is definitely capable of doing this. The question I have, which is kind of sort of similar to that, is, okay, so testing is wonderful for pixel and tonic. It's something that plugin developers should be doing. It's something that people that are writing custom modules probably should be doing. What about people that are just building a website? If I'm just building a website, am I going to implement any kind of testing in there or what when would I want to do that? Maybe acceptance testing for what's on there, that type of thing? Look, I mean
3: the, the basic website, the beauty of it, if it's if it's just the website is quite simple. You don't need that many tests to cover most of the the functional requirements of, of that website I mean if, if we're just talking about a content site with a search with a search functionality all you really have to do is two functional tests one where you just enter a, a search keyword and see that it returns a particular set of, of entries or, or products mm. or user and one where you just check that all the twig templates are rendering and that you know blog articles are being pulled in from the right place and the archive is being pulled in from the right place that is essentially just that those are just two tests. And you could have, so, you could
1: implement a test to make sure that the reading time on your article really is 5 minutes if it's you know you could like pissa right?
3: uh yeah yeah i mean and and i mean as your site grows if you have you know for example you just have a content site but with a really complicated search you know search functionality then then that's what you test you know and you just test that when you enter when you select enter a particular keyword and that it has to relate to and you enable that it has to relate to a particular category that it actually pulls those things in and so even if you have a really basic site the tests you have to write for it are really basic and so Mm. The only, thing what you, what, the only thing you really need to consider is, is it, you know, does my client require it? You know, if, if, if it's just a site that you set up once and they're never gonna have to have you look at it again, or you just have to run craft updates and it's you're, you're not using any custom modules or plugins, yeah, you might not have to write tests for it. I mean, you know, there, it's not necessarily, you, it won't be likely you immediately break things if you just do basic twig adjustments. But like I said at the beginning, if the client has a whole bunch of, of wish lists for the future, once their business grows, yeah, you might wanna plan on having some kind of test system in place that especially once you those new features that you can test for it as well
1: yeah especially that e-commerce example you mentioned where the scents were off like that could be that could yeah. be a huge thing yeah. i mean you mentioned that a lot of people start with Plugin factory this might surprise you i don't know but i still use it like anytime that i'm making a new anything i still generate the scaffolding from there and start with that
0: i mean if you write a test i mean the, the thing about the the scents being off because of rounding let's say you you write a piece of code and then you write a test test that piece of code works I mean, what if you're 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 wrong in your code and you're wrong in your test and then you think that you're because the test passed <laughs> you you think that everything's is hunky-dory so is there a way to test for that sort of you know turtles all the way down kind oh of thing oh my
1: god this is like the recursion <laughs> test
2: i don't think developers make mistakes <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. So we're safe. We're good
1: actually so this is a, a good opportunity so this is i'll, I'll test your skills Skill. we'll see how good you are Okay. Actually, everybody (laughs) here. Every everybody here does some PHP. Okay. So let's let's do a little test here. So let's say that you are you're testing. Okay. So you've got the number two point two. So you do you set a variable equals two point two minus one, and then you say if this resulting variable equals one point two, do something. Right. So that should work every single time. Right. Because two point two minus one is one point two, and we're saying if this variable equals one point two, then do something. That will fail every single time, does anyone know why? Floating point precision? You're right. So how do we how do we guard against that? So, there, so basically what happens is, and this is a problem that I just ran into, and I've been aware of this for a long time, but just totally blew it when I was writing the code. Whenever you do any kind of arithmetic with floating point numbers, the result is an approximation, right? Mm-hmm. So you're doing 2.2 minus 1. A rational human says that's going to be 1.2. Like I know what that is. But in floating point, the mantissa part of it, the part after the decimal is, it's an approximation of what it is. It's like a so, wild fraction. Yeah. Yeah. So in reality, it ends up being some weird thing that is like, it'll, in this case, it would probably be something like 1.19999999 or something weird like that. And so if you typecast the thing to a string, it does the right thing and it converts it into 1.2. Or if you round it to, you know, however many digits, then it, uh, it converts it to the right thing. But that's what you have to do with floating point numbers before you convert them. And the reason why I'm going into this is that this is the kind of weird, arcane, obscure thing that would be beautiful to test, right? Especially involving commerce when you're involving money, where lots of math that's happening with money, lots of people getting in trouble if the math is wrong, having to do with money, you know?
3: yeah so i mean that's obviously just because i've come across it i know codeception and inherently through a php unit they provide a method that allows you to compare uh, two floats and it basically checks that there's a particular delta between mm. the two numbers yeah and it adds it adds an error margin yep. so i mean that's you know that's one of those things where the framework can, can often jump in and help you um, and and those are especially with tax rates with tax rates in commerce that's that's something that really is is served well by a php unit test
2: mm-hmm. and to go back to your original question jennifer i think like we were talking about unit testing earlier, we can test that calculating those totals result in the correct amount. We can also test those on the front end though, right? We can test that when you add you, you know, these three products to your shopping cart, that when you go to the checkout page, that the total of all of those products adds up to the right amount. And the way that we do that as Gil was kind of talking about with acceptance or functional tests is really in quite plain English. So you say, you know, I'm on this page and I should see these three products and I fill in this field and I click on submit and then I should see this on the next page and I think that's maybe where acceptance tests are really useful when you're submitting forms you want to make sure that there isn't an an error or a page not found that comes back you want to make sure that you're brought to the next you know success page for example with the appropriate success message and that's where we can test the front ends of our craft sites with the tweet, tweet templates, for example,
3: look for the, for the people that, that really learn by, by just reading code and seeing how something's implemented in, in practice and then playing around with it. If you go to the craft the CMS code base, and you're in some way familiar with that, there is, there are, there are functional tests that test how you save a user. So it basically just, it basically just goes, I, I, it goes to the page, you know, slash user slash new, and it just fills out a form and then sees, okay, a user has been added to the database just in about 20 lines. It's tested a really important part of craft and made that it got through that without any errors and then you can further dive down into it by checking okay you know is the validation working you know those are you can do those type of tests in in unit or functional as well but just those basic tests of seeing like ben said a product is added to the cart that's that's a really good starting place for a functional test and then
2: later on you can dive in and see okay is the tax rate calculated correctly right and those functional tests are very high level tests so they will permeate down through the stack trace for example and and catch a lot of potential errors further down
1: in the case yeah. of the that register user specifically I mean would you then also have to set up like a, a fake mail server where the email would be sent out to the user and then have something that <laughs> reads the email and cl- <laughs> clicks on the link that goes to activate it and like no so
3: I- basically what we what we built for that because that's that's kind of a recurring problem right you send them mail and, and what you don't want from a testing environment is that people start getting a hundred mails mm-hmm. you know that you don't want to get hundred emails either from you know, your SMTP server because that's just gonna ruin uh, uh, your your account usage which i may have learned the hard way but basically what we do is we built in an inbuilt system that essentially catches emails so this is craft specific but it catches emails before they're sent out mm-hmm. and so it basically means it, it renders those emails so you can actually check the 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 html of that email but it won't actually be sent which essentially means that you can actually read the email and see are all the links in there and are they correct and does it have the activation code without you actually without your system actually sending an email
1: that's really cool uh, i've done something kind of like that with Mailhog just in Local dev, but th- this is built into it. That's really cool. Yeah.
3: So I mean, it's it's on the documentation, and it's a bit hard to explain without sitting in front of a computer. But if you just go to the docs and, and it just says uh, sending mails under the tests, it'll just explain how that works. And it's just one method, and it'll just grab the email that that was just sent, and that you can just play around with the, with that email and check that everything that was supposed to be on there is on there.
1: I think what is really hard to understand is how we're recording this podcast, not sitting in front of a computer. Like that's incredible, Gil. How are you doing that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Black magic. Black magic.
0: Uh. Um, well just um, I just have w- one more question. I think before we wrap up. So you mentioned, and you guys both mentioned, well, reading the code is a great way to get started. And then there's the CraftQuest course. What are the other resources for people who've never tested that will help them get started writing their first test?
3: Obviously, the the craft specific CraftQuest is probably the, the best place to start and the documentation, if you want to get a more general idea of, of how testing works, there's a couple of great resources in the Laravel environment that just explain mm-hmm. the basics of what testing is, you know, what are the various types of testing, so you just get familiar with the concept of it, and then you can dive into the craft stuff specifically.
1: I think one of the best ways to learn about testing is to close your Rise and think back to that time when you pushed a change to production without checking it, and it brought the entire site down. The client was hounding you and was was yelling at you about stuff being down, all the money they were losing. Bring yourself back to that that moment. Bring back that terror and that pain and that anger, <laughs> and and use it to say that's never going to happen again. I'm going to implement testing.
0: Wow, I mean, I have a lot of anger to harness, so that'll that'll work well for me. What What about you, Ben or Patrick? <laughs>
2: Well, the the docs aren't bad. Like the docs are pretty good. They don't teach you necessarily how to test. They they teach you how to get set up with testing and craft, which is, the starting point. I think Craft Quest yeah. is ideal because Ryan like walks you through examples of how to run, how to write, and run acceptance tests, and that's a great starting point. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Or just, uh, or just clone the, the Craft repo and write some tests for it, and just see where you end up. Because I mean, mm. you know, it's it's something that most people, especially if you've done some kind of plugin development, everyone's uh, worked with that. So otherwise, just yeah, submit a pull request with some basic tests and see what what Brad says. Because he'll he'll often have really good feedback on it. <laughs> I that's
0: would a like way to way give a- say coaching. <laughs> Well, that's a great
1: idea. Everyone should submit pull requests.
2: (laughs) I would like to give a little pro tip, or maybe amateur tip is more appropriate. I was helping someone set up uh, their testing framework recently, and I forgot to mention that they should use a new database uh, Mm. to run the tests on, and they ran it on a database (laughs) that was populated with real real data. So craft will, or when you run your tests, it will generate the uh, database for you using the install migration and then it will clean up as well which means it'll wipe all of your data at the end so it is a good idea to use a fresh database that you can throw away and and I, i guess the other thing i've found and i've been really impressed with is the integration like the high level of integration that with with Craft itself. So things like uh, project config will still work, mailers you can mock, things that I talked about earlier like elements. So it's very easy to mock an entry because an entry is tied to a section and an entry type and a site, and it has an author, right? So you can very quickly generate a set of elements to work with. Kind of also, this may interest you, Andrew, actually, I've thought about how we can do performance testing using this. Because often when we test our stuff, we have maybe two, three users in the system. But it might be relevant to test our plugins in the context of a, of a CMS that has you know, thousands of users and maybe thousands of related entries. And how, how does it work there? So it's very easy using fixtures to generate that, that sample content and then run our uh, methods on those. You know that's an we interesting do.
1: idea that I just thought of, and I don't know. I still haven't fully formed it, but Ye has a, the built-in capability to profile your website. It'd be kind of interesting if you built a test that automatically tied into that and would throw an exception or a fault or, or whatever if anything was taking above a certain amount of time. I mean that mm-hmm. would be kind of interesting. You know, you would have I mean, kind of an automatic tripwire in there.
3: Code, oh. Codeception does some does some general kind of performance monitoring, so you get get an idea of how long each individual test took and, and how how long it took to, to populate your fixtures and everything. And you can probably write a module, or maybe there's already one out there that can really dive into giving you some high value performance metrics as well.
1: Yeah, well, what I mean is the the profiling data that is already being recorded in terms of how long these database transactions took, in terms of how long it took SEO right. to render this, the it, the test could do some introspection into that performance data and, and give oh, you Oh yeah, some, that would be cool. Yeah. yeah, that would,
2: that would be awesome, yeah. I'm sure you could set that up relatively easily because in the testing environment, you have full, access to craft and right. ye, ye application as well. And the profiler is just part of that. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, what, what Ben says, that, that's important. I mean, when you
3: work with craft, either in functional testing or unit testing, it's like working with uh, just a regular old craft app object. So calling craft app, it will behave pretty much entirely the same as as you would on a, on a production site.
0: Well, that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. If you'd like to have every episode delivered to your favorite player, you can subscribe via RSS or find us on iTunes or Google Play. If you like what we're doing, please review the show on iTunes. It's the best way to help others find the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at devmodefm, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on testing and on the Plugin Factory scaffolding, which is available now. Oh, Leave us a comment <laughs> on devmodefm website where we can continue the conversation for the devmodefm podcast. I'm Jennifer Bloomberg.
1: I'm Andrew Welch. Hi, I'm, I'm Patrick,
0: Patrick. Harrington. <laughs> And thank you again to Ben and Heal for joining us today. I hope you guys learned a lot about testing.
2: Thank you. It's been fun. Thank you. You should have
1: played your, your guitar.
0: Um, oh, my God,
1: yeah. Such fail. Unbelievable. So we got to see Patrick's dad face. I don't know if anyone caught that, but his kids like were doing something disturbing him. And yeah, I'm sorry we, I've been
3: quiet today. My
1: three-year-old's like, we we I don't know where see, he is now. We got to see his angry, pissed-off dad face. That was amazing. No. That was amazing. I like your background, though.